welcome to mini episode 38 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Sylvia Oliveres, Gabby B, Ashley Maway, Ricky Donahue, Emily Sargent, Aaron Nelson, Ali Waite, Steph Diaz, David Ranson, Bethany, Serena, Shane Hoskins, Tobias Schmacher, Jess, Stephanie Farmer, Amy Williams, Simone Simpson, Sharon Monique Rogers Dunworth, Vlad the Inhaler, King Moonbird, Mackenzie Saxon, Phil G, Susan Trail, Jenny Jackson, Alice Oak, Jenny Umana Reyes. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you. Yes, we absolutely do. And I've actually only got one story for you this week. Only one? Does that yes. mean we're finally getting the sunshine lollipops extravaganza that I've been hoping for? Extravaganza? Yeah. That's very RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I loved it. And in a very synchronistic, is that the word? Turn of events? Our story this week is all about the wild and the wilderness and the woodlands. Ooh. Ooh, isn't that exciting? So our story this week comes from Joe. I previously wrote to you about the things I experienced in my childhood home, and my brother suggested I also share stories from our hunting property up north. Now when I say up north, I mean northern Wisconsin, so deep in the woods that your phone won't even work. I love it there. It's one of the few places I ever actually feel at peace and happy. I've been camping there my whole life. And when I say that, I mean I spend a total of four weeks every summer and a week every fall every year at this property. I cannot remember a time when I did not spend my weekends in those woods. I know the trails of the property like the back of my hand. I've wandered them in the pitch black of night without ever getting turned around or lost. I have a myriad of stories. Some mine, some told me by hunting buddies or family members, but a few are incredibly similar. Some are downright terrifying. But I'll start off with a rather light-hearted and easily explained story, for Dan's sake. (laughs) So it was me, my brother Josh, and our cousin Brad. It was late, 2am or so. We had stayed up after our parents had all gone to bed to continue drinking by the fire. There was no moon that night, and it felt like the world ended at the edge of the fire's light. We couldn't even make out the silhouette of my uncle's cabin, or even closer yet, our trailer. It was just a pitch-black abyss. We had started talking about the weird things that happened in the woods, and how we all experienced similar things without ever talking to one another beforehand. Lights in the woods, strange footsteps, and trail cams, none of our hunters had placed. When all of a sudden the woods behind our trailer was lit up. It seemed far away, like it was a few miles off at the edge of the property. Now we knew two things for certain. Just a few miles that way was an air face where they open tested weapons and there was a lightning storm rolling in. But it was too close to be the base and it was below the tree line so the light had to be emanating from inside the woods. Or, at least, that's what we were all sure of. But keep in mind, we were so drunk, we were probably flammable at that point. (laughs) 
We kept trying to scare one another with stories of aliens and how it was so dark that we could literally be surrounded and we would never know. In the moment listening to Josh and Brad talking about how they would tie the alien up and do some probing, it was funny. We continued drinking and the boys went on about how if they saw an alien, they would strip buck-ass naked because, and I quote, no one wants to fight a hairy, fat, naked man. We were having a great old time until I had to pee. Now, being the only girl in the group, I couldn't just step out of the light and pee on a tree. No, I had to walk probably 500 yards to the outhouse on the other side of the campsite. It doesn't seem far until it's pitch black. You're hammered and you've been talking about aliens for the past hour. I tried to force my brother to walk me to the outhouse and stand outside while I peed, telling him it was his job to do so as my big brother. He didn't go for it. You're a grown-ass woman. Go to the outhouse. Eventually, Brad stepped up and walked with me to the outhouse, not without the appropriate amount of teasing, however. We walked through the darkness with only a shitty gas lantern to guide us. We both knew exactly where we were going, so it was pretty easy to get there and back, and obviously nothing happened. When we were back at the fire, my brother started teasing me about how he heard footsteps in the darkness. He and Brad continued to go on about how I would be the first one grabbed because I was the furthest from the group and the fire. I proceeded to move closer to my cousin until I was practically in his lap. I knew nothing was going to happen. The lights in the tree line weren't anything to worry about, it was just a storm. Except they were lighting up in a discernible pattern. Three flashes, a pause, a flash, then a long pause, and then it would go again. Lightning doesn't have a pattern, or so I kept insisting. We kept joking about the aliens beyond the light of the flames, and I started to feel a little more at ease. There was still a tense air around the group, as I think we all started buying into our own bullshit, even though there was nothing actually happening. Until I heard a rustling in the bushes right behind us. I yelped, and literally ended up in Brad's lap, asking if he'd heard that, only to realise that he was dying from laughter. The rustling I had heard was not in the bushes, nor was it rustling at all. It was Bradley scratching his shoulder. (laughs) We called it a night and snuffed out the fire. My brother and I only had to walk a few feet to our trailer. Brad had to walk about a hundred yards or so to his cabin. I didn't envy his trek through the darkness. And sure enough, as I laid in my bunk trying to fall asleep, I saw a flash of bright light right outside the trailer and a loud rumble. Then the downpour started. In the end, we were just drunkenly afraid of lightning and each other. And the scariest part of that night was that I left my car windows open and not only did it get soaking wet, but a damn squirrel ended up in my vehicle. Now I'm going to tell you a few stories that are harder to explain, but let's hope they can be explained by animals or other humans. The first one isn't my own. It's my brother's. Josh had gone up a few days before deer hunting officially started to try and clear out the trailer and the cabin and to make sure the hunting stands weren't snowed in. He was completely alone in the forest as far as he knew. So the campsite itself is about a three minute drive from the actual road with many ATV and foot trails leading off. But to get a car down the driveway you have to go around a turn that flashes your headlights 
through our trailer and even a small car can be heard quite clearly. Then you come in on the other side of the campsite and your headlights will light up the whole camp if they're on. But you have to go through some thick forest so even during the day most people have them on. Because of that, he was sure that should anyone come up the driveway, he would know and he'd have time to prepare for them. He too grew up hunting this land so he was never afraid to be there alone. On the second day he was there, still a few days before anyone else would get there, he was lying in the bed at the front of the trailer listening to the radio and reading. It was fairly early in the morning, so the sun was just lighting up the woods, and he didn't have any of the light on inside. He then heard a loud crashing in the trees right outside the trailer. The trailer itself is all the way on the edge of the camp, surrounded on three sides by the forest, with the sides with the door being the only part who should be able to get near. At first he thought it was a deer. It was deer season after all. And though deer don't typically come into the campsite, it wasn't really that strange. Then he heard something running through the campsite. Again, he thought it was a deer. Even though he said it sounded like it was too heavy for a deer, and he thought he only heard two feet. He shrugged it off, still sure that it was just a deer or another explainable forest thing until he heard the unmistakable sound of footsteps on the wooden porch we had for the trailer. The footsteps were heavy, but he could tell they weren't stomping, more like someone in heavy work boots skipping or galloping. They ran across the porch along the length of the trailer, and he could no longer mistake them for deer steps. There was undeniably only two feet as they ran. He jumped up, grabbed his rifle and shouted out the closed door, I have a gun! He said he tried his best to sound intimidating, but he sounded more unsure than anything. He heard the steps stop, and then normal walking footsteps of someone just casually strolling through the snow. The footsteps stopped just outside the door. He was clutching his rifle and stared frozen at the doorknob. He knew the door was unlocked, and the only way to lock it was from the outside, with a key. Have a gun, he shouted again, cocking his rifle to prove he had a loaded weapon. There was no other noise for a while. He said it felt like hours before the footsteps walked to the back of the trailer, and then there was more crashing in the trees, and then complete silence. All he could hear was his own breathing and the forest noises outside. He grabbed his bags, locked the door and got into his truck. He called our dad on his way into town where he stayed in a hotel until at least one other person was there. I'm not entirely convinced that it wasn't just a human trying to scare my brother or just didn't know that someone else was there despite Josh's truck being in the middle of the campsite. Either way, The thought of hearing a human galloping through the snow early in the morning in the middle of the woods makes my skin crawl, especially knowing that the front door is never locked when we're inside. Another one that I was actually present for was when all four of us, me, my brother, my dad and my mom, went up to go camping. We were the only ones up there since my uncle was coming a few days later and this was the first time any of us had been up there that year. 
We got up there and the front gate was closed and padlocked, just like it always is. So we know no one has driven back there since that's the only way to get a car onto the site. When we got to the site, the first thing we do is unlock the outhouse and my uncle's cabin to check for mice. And then we moved on to our trailer. When we leave, we lock the front door and drop the attached awning down to cover the front door, leaving it unfurled. It sits close enough to the wall of the trailer that a small child would struggle to squeeze into the space to reach the front step in the dead centre of the trailer, and the metal arms of the awning were broken, and it made it difficult to lift unless you knew exactly how to do it. We lift up the awning, and right there, on the step, in front of the door, is a large stew pot. It's not our pot and none of us had ever seen it before. Inside the pot is probably around 30 kitchen knives of varying size. Some are brand new, looking right out of the package. Others are so rusted that they were crumbling to pieces just sitting there. Some had chunks missing from the edge, like someone tried to turn them into crudely made serrated knives. Some were so sharp they were clearly sharpened, and others were so dull that they were practically twigs off the forest floor. When my uncle got to the site, we asked if they were his, but he also said he had never seen them before. My dad insisted that if we just washed the newer ones and the pot, we could use them. Meanwhile, my mom said we should throw them all out, since we didn't have any idea where they came from. On that same trip, my dad and I were riding on his ATV to check the state of all the trails. When we drove through the site and there was a flash. He stopped the machine and we jumped off. My brother and uncle were coming over because they saw the flash too. All four of us trekked into the trees until we saw it. A trail camera, aimed at our site. We pulled it off the tree and brought it into the camp. We cracked it open to get out the SIM card. We couldn't play it at the camp since, as I said, phones don't work there and we had to wait until the next time we went into town. We walked to the edge of the site and ended up finding four more cameras, all aimed at our site. When we did go into town next, we plugged all five cards into my dad's phone to play them. There wasn't a lot of footage, just a couple of hours, meaning either the cards were relatively new, or the cameras were only set up that morning. We never saw a person or anyone's face on the footage, likely because they just stayed behind the cameras at all times. We did, however, see on one that the awning to our trailer was up and the door was open. Then in the rest of the pictures, the awning was down and no one was in the campsite. There was only an hour and a half's worth of footage before we saw our trucks pulling in and us setting up the site. We never figured out where those cameras came from and we never found any again. I'm going to pause there because there are more stories. Oh, that's creepy. That has given me, like, sometimes I think those stories that are potentially human are even more Mm. scary because you think, what the fuck is that person's intentions? I mean, that's almost entirely human, right? Because I don't know stories where ghosts set up trail cameras. Well, listen. Although that would make a very interesting alternate view of ghost adventures if the ghosts were filming Zach Bagans. Yeah. <laughs> How good would that be? 
the idea of somebody galloping up and down on the wooden like on the on the porch outside mm-hmm. of your trailer i mean fuck that mm-hmm. like i would be terrified i've never even seen a gun but at that moment i think i'd be like i have a gun <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i think if i was a woodsman i would put everything down to moose so if i heard something galloping on my uh, on my trailer it's moose and if moose, I saw lights in the sky, moose. moose Trail cameras, moose. Moose are obviously well known as well for um, carrying around pots full of knives. Yep, yep. yep. Definitely a moose. moose that's moose droppings. <laughs> They're so big, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I only found out relatively recently how big moose Ooh, were. And yeah. they those things are not what I imagined. I just thought they were like horse-sized. They're really not. They're enormous. So shall we continue with some stories? Um, if we have to. <laughs> Now I'm going to get into the less explainable stories. Most of them are short. Just things that we see or hear in the woods at night. But there's one noise that we have all heard more than any other. The hog. Periodically when the forest is quiet and no one is talking, you might hear something walking through the trees. Nothing too strange. And then you'll hear the snorting. Something that sounds like a pig just beyond the tree line. We mostly hear it behind our trailer and out next to the outhouse. It's always loud and noticeable. The only farm nearby doesn't have pigs and no matter how hard we look we cannot find physical signs of any pig. We've all heard it alone, in groups, at night or during the day. Even the dogs react to it. My uncle and I have taken off into the trees trying to find the pig and we never find it. We never even hear anything moving through the woods. Now none of us are caught off guard by animal sounds in the forest or weird noises at all. Have you ever heard a vixen in heat or a mountain lion screaming? But this pig has been heard for years and no one has ever seen it. Another weird thing were the ghost headlights. Me, Josh and my uncle were sitting at the campfire talking. Our uncle was drunk, my brother was buzzed and I was completely stone cold sober. We were startled by headlights pulling into the campsite. They never passed the trailer. We never heard them, nothing. It was possible we missed the headlights behind the trailer but there was no way we wouldn't have heard it. The lights turned into the camp and turned off. Like someone just flicked off their headlights. We know it wasn't someone who took a wrong turn, because if they needed to turn around, they would have had no choice but to drive through the site, right where we were all sitting. We know it wasn't someone from town or a ranger, because they would have gotten out of their car and announced themselves. All three of us walked over to where the vehicle should have been, but there was nothing. My uncle said he would have thought he was just too drunk if my brother and I hadn't also seen it. Out behind my uncle's cabin is the start of three trails that branch out. The trees are thick and it's eternally dark back there. When you sit at the campfire you can see down the centre trail and some of the other two but just barely since it's so dark. Have you ever seen a flashlight aimed towards you from a distance? Do you know the way the light will bounce as the person holding it walks? Imagine that 
but the light doesn't light the area around it. It's too big to be a flashlight, and it's about eight feet off the ground. Then imagine that in a group of between three and six. At first when I saw it, I thought it was someone from the party. We were out hunting the first time I saw the lights, but I only saw one light and I thought it looked too high up because of either how the hunter was carrying the flashlight or because of the distance. But then I realised no hunter would be walking with his flashlight a full arm's length above his head and that the distance would make it seem smaller and not bigger. I grabbed my brother and sent him to stand where I had seen it with a flashlight, telling him to hold as high as he could. He's six foot four, and with his arms fully extended, he didn't reach anywhere near the height of the light. He was the tallest in the group. Later that night, I saw one of the guys staring down the trail completely still. I followed his gaze and I saw more lights, four of them this time. He and I grabbed a lantern and took off down the trail. I don't remember seeing them disappear and neither does he. We just remember seeing them in the same spot the whole time we ran and then they were just gone when we got to the spot where they should have been. Everyone that has ever stayed at the campsite has seen those lights. No one can get close to them to see what they are. Either they just vanish when you approach them or they shoot down the trails at impossible speeds. Another one that is not my story but my dad's has always freaked me out. He was there alone, setting up for hunting again. The snow was practically knee-deep and he could barely walk through the site. He was in the outhouse when he heard what sounded like someone hitting a branch against a tree. The forest was quiet in the early morning when suddenly... Thwack. 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 My father went still, looking toward the trailer where all the guns were. And then it was closer. Thwack. 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 He stared at the front door into the woods listening for any footsteps. And then practically just outside the outhouse. Thwack. 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 He was now standing in the doorway looking around the outside of the outhouse. He could see the front wall clearly and inside the outhouse. Then from right next to him on the wall beside him. Bang, bang, bang. There was no one around. No footprints in the snow. He looked around and found absolutely no one. This last one is the one I hate to even think about. And it makes my skin crawl. Before I tell you, Wisconsin has a long Native American history. There are a lot of stories from the area. But we are smack in the middle of Wendigo and Skinwalker territory. Wisconsin also has high reports of supposed hell gates and cursed land, not to mention the rumoured energy in the Great Lakes around us. I've always been fascinated by native stories because I believe everything comes from somewhere. Someone saw something that started these stories. I was alone. Everyone was up but they had run into town and I stayed back with the dogs, determined to experience something. I was in my uncle's cabin making myself lunch on his stove and listening to the radio. I had all three dogs, trained and seasoned hunting dogs, in the cabin with me. The front door was propped open so they could come and go as they pleased. The youngest, Dino, jumped up suddenly and stared out the door. 
His heckles were raised, ears pressed back, and he was snarling and yapping like he was terrified for his life. I'd only ever heard him do that when he accidentally ran headfirst into a bear back in the swamp. The oldest, Tank, sat directly next to me staring out the door. He was completely still, like he was when he was out hunting. He's a massive dog, over 100 pounds, and he's not afraid of anything. He was so tense that he was shaking. The third dog, Ginger, was creeping towards the door. She peeked around the door and yelped, scrambling backwards into the cabin. I grabbed the shotgun off the table and walked outside. Who the fuck is out here? I didn't get a response. The site was empty, the snow wasn't disturbed, there was nothing. I stood on the front porch. Hank still stiff at my side, Ginger and Dino in the doorway, yapping and crying but still not stepping outside, and that's when I noticed. It was silent. Aside from the dogs crying, there was no sound. No birds, no squirrels, nothing. Now I live by three rules. If you hear something and see nothing, just ignore it. Don't feed a ghost's desire for attention. If your gut says to run, run. And most importantly, if the forest is silent, leave now. Hank was staring dead ahead into the trees behind the trailer. He was growling. It was a noise I'd never heard from him before. I followed his gaze and squinted at the tree line, not seeing anything. Anyone there? I shouted and took a step forward. Hank barked and stepped in front of me to block my path. I aimed the shotgun towards the tree line and shouted again. Don't be stupid and I won't blow you away. Now I imagine there's nothing intimidating about a 20 year old girl with a shotgun longer than she is tall but I was doing my best to seem sure of myself. I kept my eyes on the forest, watching for a movement. My heart was pounding so hard I thought I might keel over right then and there. And then I saw a face. Or rather half a face. Peeking at me around a tree. The worst part? It was upside down and ten or so feet in the air like it was hanging upside down from a branch. I was frozen in place with pure, indescribable terror. I was staring into its eye. I couldn't make out a colour or anything. I just knew we were making eye contact. My mind ran through every cryptid I knew. Skinwalker, Wendigo, even going as far as to consider El Chupacabra. I realised I hadn't moved and the dogs yapping had grown more desperate. I looked down at them and then back up. And the face was gone. I then saw it again, closer to the cabin, still in the woods. It was on the forest floor, like whatever it was, was lying on the ground. I figured I had two choices. If it was a skinwalker, I could pretend to be brave, try and scare it off and hope I was right. If it was a wendigo, I was fucked no matter what. So, it was worth a shot. I pushed past Hank and stepped off the patio towards the face. I was gripped with fear, but somehow I managed to move forward and speak evenly. Get the fuck out of here before I wear your skin. I was petrified. It didn't move. It hadn't blinked once. I aimed at it and fired. 
the buckshot ripped through the leaves around it and it looked surprised. I told it I wasn't scared of it. But I was, in fact, scared of it. Hank's barking and snarling turned downright feral as I took another step towards it. I prayed to every god I could think of that I was hallucinating, that I was actually asleep and having a terrible nightmare. I fired off another shot. Somehow I managed to be accurate even with my shaking. I looked back towards the cabin where we had heavier weapons. I don't know what possessed me to look away from the face again, but when I looked back it was gone. I stayed where I was, watching the trees until Ginger trotted out next to me. I noticed I could hear the birds and squirrels again and I legged it back to the cabin. I locked myself and all three dogs inside, sat on the floor in the far corner with the gun and proceeded to cry and hyperventilate until my uncle found me. None of them believed me. I've been back since. Alone in my tree stand, early in the morning, even before the sun is up. No birds. The 30 minute walk to my stand is the longest walk of my life, with me shouting, I'm still not scared of you, the whole walk. The only thing I experienced afterwards was when I was in my stand and I heard three very slow knocks on the roof. And then the sound of something big dropping to the ground below me and running off. I now hunt in the stands closer and I never leave before the sun comes up. Since then, my cousin has found something like 100 dead geese piled up on top of one another in a very human manner. I know a fair few of these things can be explained away as humans or even just the forest being the forest. But I know that there is something in those woods. I have so much to say, but before we discuss the face, let's talk about the other things. Floating lights, high off the ground, you know, strange noises. I I hate to say this to you of all people, but I think there's a really obvious explanation for this. Which is? Moose. (laughs) Moose with like fairy lights in their antlers, you know? Uh, It's aliens, isn't it? Oh, this whole... Because I really think there's so much we don't know about the world, right? I really think that. And in next week's Patreon episode, on Monday's Patreon episode, we have a friend come on to tell us about their experience on Dartmoor, which is like a a vast wilderness in the south of England, right? Southwest of England. I mean, it's English vast wilderness. It's not American vast wilderness. You can cross it in. But he did talk about those feelings when you're in the wilderness of being so alone and, you know, and, and the silence you know, and that really freaks me out. It makes me, oh, makes my. Bleh. You no. say that, but your parents' house is so quiet. Well, I that's that's such a yeah, I know, and I never really <laughs> thought I'd like that until you came to stay. It was too quiet, and for you me. were like, "Oh my god, it's so dark and so quiet." I was like, "Oh, I just never really noticed it before." I've got a bit of a rogue theory about those trail cameras. Oh, I mean, that is that, those trail cameras. It's like it's traumatizing to think that a human. I might being... be able to de-traumatize you. Go on. Well, I don't know whether it will. So, what if? Those trail cameras were set up because some up someone else saw the Wendigos around their trailer. Oh, st- well, that's that's re-traumatizing me. Why would you say that? <laughs> I'm just that's I'm just thinking because, like, yeah, like it's it's super sinister for a person. Obviously, if it's just some slasher horror story, not that it's made up, but it's like you know that it's that kind of slasher horror, isn't it? Like, if yeah. someone's stalking you to kill you, that's one thing. It's very kind of wrong turn, like yeah. 
but what if it's eyes. been interpreted that way but actually it was someone that was trying to catch footage of the wendigo or the skinwalker i wonder is there any like native uh, lore about how to defeat them because i can't remember from our episodes because what if the pot and all the knives were that yeah. person's way of being like this is what you need. Yeah. This is what will protect you. Oh fuck me! Yeah, that's what I'm just. Don't go into those woods again. That's what I, I'm. That's what I'm just thinking. But I can't deal with the upside down face. No, no, no. And also, fair play because Do- dogs don't lie either. Fair. I would not. I would have fired all of that buckshot the first instant I saw it. Saw it, and it probably would have ended up being my uncle, and I would have killed him by accident. So fair play to you for being reserved enough for that and then for also being bold enough to hunt it down. Yeah, that's not a nice story at all. Super creepy. No, and I've, you know, this week I've had numerous messages from people about the Michigan Dogman and not specifically the Michigan Dogman, but about there being creatures in the woods. Like numerous messages where people are like, I live in this state and I'm telling you there's stuff in the woods like I've seen it loads of people I know have seen it and it might not necessarily be like dog man it might be just some other thing that lives in the woods no I'm not okay after that Wendigos story. are just as bad though aren't they I don't know maybe it is just being brazen with them I feel like that's what Joe was saying I feel like she knew she'd remembered something about skinwalkers and that's why she was like I'm going to be bold there was a story that we did about skinwalkers previously where the person uh, person had an experience with a skinwalker and they made themselves look as big as possible and like ran towards the skinwalker shouting so maybe there is something in it about not letting it frighten you or the the other thing i really dislike about this is something knocking three times or knocking on the roof of of her hunting yeah. stand and, and then jumping off and running into the forest i have to say if i was on the toilet in the outhouse and something knocked on the wall that would definitely help me go to the toilet 100 <laughs> percent. if you're struggling that's yeah, all you need yeah you just need to be spooked out massively yeah i didn't like this story thanks joe just starting <laughs> off gently i appreciate it if you enjoyed this week's episode you can find everything that you need to know about us on real life ghost stories podcast.com you can send your own spooky story to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com you can support us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month you get heaps of extra content and for two dollars a month you get the full back catalogue of 50p movie club and on that note we shall see you next week bye